0: What an honor to be with my Fresh Life family. Grateful as God continues to expand the family uh, beyond our, the originating point, and just to know, not just Kalispell, but Whitefish and Polson, Missoula, Bozeman, Billings, Helena, Salt Lake City, and all the other campuses that are to come. We praise God for you. I am honored to call uh, your pastor my friend. He is my friend. I call him my brother, even though I'm, I'm almost 10 years older than him, but he is a brother to me, and I sense the touch of God on his life in a very rare way, and I'm very protective of the anointing on his life because there aren't many men that are doing what he's doing, and he couldn't do it without the phenomenal woman that he chose. And my God, is Jenny Lusco amazing. And so I celebrate your leaders, and I wanted to take a moment before I preach anything to give honor to your pastors. They mean a great deal to me, more than they know. So I've got to do a better job of letting them know. Uh, so here we are in the middle of our summer reading series. Let's go, it's summertime, baby, in the Northwest. So why am I wearing all black? It's hot outside. But I did it on purpose because I need to lose weight because I want to look more like your pastor because he's got an eight pack. I've still got a keg, so we're working on it. But um, the book that the Lord gave me is also the title of my message, Uh, I Am Number Eight. And I want you to go with me to 1 Samuel 16. I'm reading from the New King James Version. 1 Samuel 16, starting at the 11th verse. This is a coronation that we are reading about. Now you know there's great pomp and circumstance at a coronation. You know that when a king or a queen uh, is coronated, particularly say in the United Kingdom, I mean, the whole world stops. But this was not that type of coronation. This had to be done very delicately, very quietly and secretly because the person who was the current king, God had decided he didn't want him anymore. And God said, I have provided for myself a king. So he told the prophet Samuel, I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to go to Jesse's house. I got a king in his house. And I love Samuel because Samuel was a real prophet. He wasn't like some of the prophets that we see on late night Christian TV sometimes and they just kinda scare us like, i tell you what right now, you better call that number on your screen right now. And it wasn't that like the Bible says when Samuel talked, the Bible says not one word that he spoke fell to the ground. And oh, that God would raise up prophets and leaders and voices and worship leaders that when they speak, they're speaking the words of God. When they sing, they're singing the heart of God. When we declare, we're declaring the word of God without compromise, without fear, and with great joy and great passion. That is my heart's desire. What I love about Fresh Life Church is how The local church is being built up and the impact teams where we can stay connected. And so even though some people are not used to churches with a whole bunch of folk, we we get a chance to compartmentalize it. and, And you can connect to people and you can build the necessary relationships because everybody has a gift and everybody has something to give. But what happens when your gift is overlooked? What happens when the thing God gave you is not the thing that's the flavor of the month? So we find ourselves in 1 Samuel, and I feel like preaching, but I want to keep teaching just for those who don't know me yet. I'm your brown cousin you didn't know you had, so I'm going to teach for a minute, then I'm going to preach because I feel like preaching because Fresh Life pulls the preach out of me. Somebody all over the church makes some noise Jesus so Samuel arrives in Bethlehem interesting city I'm sure we've heard of Bethlehem before there was somebody else that was born in Bethlehem so perhaps this was a prophetic glimpse of what was to come a king but he was hidden and so Samuel shows up to the house to Jesse's home Jesse's excited. He's like, hey, put your best clothes on, boys. One of you guys is getting ready to be king. So Samuel walks into the house and he's got the oil in his hand, symbolic of the anointing of God, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, the empowering of God. And he sees the first son, Eliab, and he says to himself, This is the Lord's anointed. Look at that boy, he's handsome, he's tall. Oh my goodness, look at him. You better go ahead, he got that good hair. All right, all right, all right, all right. And Samuel's getting ready to pour the oil and God says, stop, hammer time. No, he didn't. Uh, (laughs) He said, no, Samuel, I've rejected him. See, You're looking at his appearance. You're looking at his gifts. See, man looks at the outside. God looks at a heart. See, that was the problem with Israel. They wanted a king. God wanted a heart. This is a season where God's not elevating talent. He's elevating hearts. So if you have talent, that's great. But if you don't have the heart of God, he's going to sit you down because we've had too many talented people and talent doesn't destroy the yoke. The anointing is what destroys the yoke. And we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need the empowering of the Holy Spirit. And that comes with the anointing of the Holy Spirit. So Samuel says, okay, if it's not him, let me go to son number two. Jesse's lined up all seven of his boys and Samuel goes down the list and God's like, nope, nada, no. No, not him either. None of them. Seven sons. All of them were no. Seven, the number of completion, a complete no. And now we catch up to the scripture in the 11th verse, and this is what it says. And Samuel said to Jesse, I'm sure he was quite perplexed, are all the young men here? Now, I grew up in a black church, so this is normally where I would shout, but I'm not because we're family, y'all just getting to know me, but I get excited because anytime a prophet is confused, you know God is up to something because what God wanted to teach Samuel is even though you're a prophet and not one word you've ever spoken has fallen to the ground, even you were wooed by the external. There are some people that are in Fresh Life Church that are so anointed that you are invisible. But it is the invisible place that God prepares you. By the time you get here, it's too late to get ready. You had to be ready before you got here. See, this is the platform, but God doesn't prepare you for the platform on the platform. He prepares you for the platform in the pasture. Somebody give him a three-second praise break. And so, are all the young men here? Then Jesse said, there remains yet the youngest, and there he is, keeping the sheep. And Samuel said to Jesse, send and bring him, for we will not sit down till he comes here. So he sent and brought him in. Now he was ruddy with bright eyes and good looking. And the Lord said, arise, anoint him, For this is the one. Then Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the midst of his brothers. And the spirit of the Lord came upon David from that day forward. So Samuel arose and went to his home, which was Ramah. The title of my message is I Am, number eight. In a patriarchal Middle Eastern culture, the firstborn son, he's the big dog. He gets the double portion of the inheritance. He's the one that perpetuates the legacy and on down the line. By the time you get to number eight, it's not like our culture where the baby is kind of coddled and gets away with everything. By the time you get to the low one on the totem pole, they're the one that everybody else kicks around, has them doing all the dirty work. They're the one that nobody really wants to be bothered with. And it's clear from scripture that there was some real tension in the relationship between baby boy and the other seven sons. Now, a close study of Old Testament scripture will show that there were some family dynamics at play and you'll have to go research it yourself. It's kinda like a soap opera, it's pretty deep. But they did not like David because they weren't sure that he was their full brother. Long story, they didn't like him and so they didn't know what to do with him and Jesse, his own father, didn't know what to do with him. What do you do when the people closest to you can't see you? David, why don't you just go on out there with the sheep? Okay. Y'all sure y'all don't want me in here? No, go on outside. And so he's outside with sheep by himself in a field, in a pasture, just chilling, just chilling with the sheep. All the while they're having a party in the house because they think they're getting ready to be anointed, called to some great purpose not realizing that anonymity is the cloak that God uses to prepare you for greatness. (laughs) If you were to tell me that Fresh Life Church was growing at the pace that it's growing with the level of engagement, passion, commitment, small groups, I would tell you that this church must be in Charlotte, North Carolina, or Atlanta, Georgia, or perhaps Nashville, Tennessee, or somewhere else on the buckle of the Bible Belt. But you could not tell me that a church with this type of vibrancy and passion and worship and commitment and authority and breakthrough power is in Missouri. Lula, Bozeman, Billings, Kalispell, Whitefish, Polson, Salt Lake City. No way you tell me that a church like this exists in the Northwest. It does not happen. It is not possible. But God says, yes, it is. And I've been stirring it up in this region for a long time. And now I'm getting ready to pull the curtain back and show the world what I've been working on. Somebody needs to give God a praise because he's about to let the world know what he's invested in you. High five somebody, tell him I am number eight. Samuel, I'm already sweating. Help me, Jesus. It's already summertime. It's hot. The light's just up here. Samuel comes in to anoint a king. And Jesse thought so little of his youngest boy that he didn't even invite him in as a possibility. (laughs) I grew up in Cincinnati, Ohio. My mom and dad divorced when I was very young. I saw my father four times in my life. My mother was then and is now a phenomenal woman of God. Whatever I am is because she prayed it into me or prayed it off of me. I don't know who this is for, but you didn't get where you got by yourself you are the product of somebody praying whether it was a family member or an intercessor somewhere saying God raise up a generation raise up somebody and God saw something in you that was going to be the answer to prayer even when you didn't see it when you were being rejected by the cool kids in school when you didn't get the opportunity you thought you should get when you were overlooked when you were marginalized when every Everybody else was on a text feed and they left you out. Please understand, God did that. He wasn't keeping them from you, he was keeping you for himself. (laughs) (sighs) (sighs) David was in his familiar place Sorry y'all got me crying in these fresh life streets. (laughs) David was outside and he was used to being by himself. And so he would do what anybody else would do. Start going crazy. (laughs) Nobody else to talk to so he starts talking to the sky. Just talking in the air. Because when Your family forsakes you and friends leave you. All you got is God. I don't know who this is for, but it was the lonely moments, the isolated moments, the broken moments where you were misunderstood, where nobody, you couldn't even articulate the pain in your heart. And God says, I'd like to talk to you right here, right now. It's in those moments that God seeds destiny. And so David was out in the field and his family didn't know it, but David liked to sing. So he'd write songs. Yea, though I walk through the valley the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell. forever. He would write songs that no one could hear. He was singing to God by himself, and angels would lean in to listen, fascinated by this forgotten son of a father who couldn't see his purpose, wondering why God kept telling angels, I want you to hear a sound that will be sung for thousands of years. Nobody was there. There was no YouTube page. There was no Facebook channel. There were no Instagram likes. Just a broken boy forgotten by his family singing to an invisible God, fighting for sheep he didn't own. And God said, that is the heart of a king. I need somebody to bless God, make some noise because. You know what happens? When you're in the middle of a field by yourself and all you do is worship God all day and fight for sheep that don't belong to you, you stop caring what people think about you. See, that's what anonymity does. You can call me what you want, say what you like, but you can't stop what God has invested in me, what he seeded in me. So one day, he was out in the field doing what he was always doing, This is important for those who are leaders and who want to be leaders and who want to be part uh, of the leadership of Fresh Life and you want to get more involved. David didn't apply to be king. He was just faithful in the field. (laughs) Levi, I feel the Holy Ghost right here. I need to encourage somebody. Stop looking for position and be faithful in the field where you are called. If they never call your name, be faithful in the field. If you don't get a name tag, be faithful in the field. If they don't give you a Dream Team Award, be faithful in the field. If they don't call you on stage, be faithful in the field. If they never give you a microphone, be faithful in the field. If you are called to the parking lot ministry, I want you to wave those cars in as best you can and smile while you do it, because you're not doing it for men, you're doing it for God, and he is faithful to reward you, and what you do secretly, God will reward openly. I need somebody to make some noise all over this church. trying not to cry David was faithful in the field but one day everybody just say one day I don't know who this is for but someday will turn into one day I know we all have dreams I know we all have hopes I know we all want to do great things for God And Sometimes it's so hard because it seems like God is holding us back. God. Why can't they see what's in me? God, how come they're not using me yet? God, why do you keep pulling me back? Why do you keep obscuring me? Why am I anonymous? He's not just hiding you. He's positioning you What looks like you're being held back you're being pulled back but God has to pull the arrow back because the more tension and more distance, the further you 'll go, and the higher you 'll fly, and the straighter you 'll we don 't need any more crooked arrows leading people we don 't need any more people with insecurities leading other people we don 't need people trying to manipulate people 's emotions anymore. We need people who have been scarred and broken, who have hope, healing, compassion grace I don't care if you smoke weed last night you are welcome in Fresh Life Church if you were drinking this morning you are welcome in Fresh Life Church if you sleeping with the world you are welcome in Fresh Life Church and bring your kids while you're here because we're gonna fight for you when you cannot fight for yourself you belong before you believe I know what it's like to be forgotten. Nobody saw me coming. The product of a single mother in a small town, young men that look like me don't get out of my neighborhood and less of them serve God. But I told God at 13, if you called me, I'll serve you and I'll serve you with the rest of my life. And here I am 30 years later and I'm still serving God. Nobody saw me coming. I don't have an advanced degree in theology. I don't have a bachelor's. I got a high school diploma and the anointing of God, and he has taken me everywhere I've gone. And he did it that way so nobody else could get the glory but him. I am number eight. David was in the field, help me Jesus, serving God. And all of a sudden, he hears his dad calling, David, yes sir, come in the house. I don't know why, but this man wanna see you. I think he made a mistake. Okay, all right, all y'all sheep don't go nowhere. You no, know I love y'all, y'all family to me. See, this is deep, you need to catch this. You know when David told Saul, I killed the lion and the bear, he had a sheep in his mouth, and I killed the lion and took the sheep so it wouldn't kill it. Let me ask y'all, if your family couldn't stand you, threw you out in the field with some sheep and you saw a lion coming, Would you risk your life for a sheep? I'd be like, I like lamb chops too. Enjoy that. You don't risk your life for something that doesn't matter. He had relationship with the sheep. He wouldn't talk to nobody else. He probably gave them names. My point is this. He found value in that which everyone else had discarded. If you really want to be a leader, show me how you treat people you don't think you need. Bible says, Jesse called him, David started walking. He's walking in the natural, but what you didn't see in the spirit is that angels were leaning in, looking down on the affairs of the earth. As the father said, this boy that they had overlooked, they don't know it, but the Savior is going to come from him because Jesus is the son of David. Funny, because he had a whole lot of other generations. He's How come he's not the son of Rahab? Because she was in the line too. Son of David, the broken one, the forgotten one, the, forgot, the overlooked one, the lost one. Guess what, him, the one everybody else thought they knew. He had no clue that this was the last walk he would walk and not be anointed king. I don't know who this is for, but you may want to shout on this one, Fresh Life family. One someday is going to turn into one day, and you won't even know it until it hits you. You'll be in the middle of a moment. You'll just be doing what you always did, and God's going to anoint you in the middle of the people who thought they knew you. David walks in the house, fresh from the field, didn't have time to clean up, didn't have time to put on his good clothes, dusty, dirty, had probably some sheep residue on his sandals, God says, him, right there with the dirt on him. That's a good place to shout because here's why. He's not waiting for you to get clean. Stop trying to fix yourself for something you weren't qualified for in the first place. God called you and it was on him, so you might as well pop your collar and be like, I'm a complete mess, but apparently he loves me. I don't know what he sees in me, but I'm glad he sees it. David walked in the house, God says, anoint him right now. And the oil began to flow on the dirt on the field, on the residue. He didn't wait for him to get cleaned up. And so the perfume and the fragrance of his future was mixed in with his testimony, which made him a king in the moment. Somebody say, "I I am number eight. Imagine the horror on his brother's faces, Brad. And they're like, you lying. Our baby brother who we couldn't stand is the king of a nation. The one we've been bullying. The one daddy told us, don't even fool with him. You telling me that girl who works on the, on the video team, you telling me God's gonna use her yes. to create art, and graphics and capture video that would touch people around the world and souls would get saved? You telling me that people at Fresh Life Church on the worship team are gonna write original songs that the world will sing? You mean to tell me they didn't go to the top worship schools in the world? They were just faithful where they were planted? The Bible says he was anointed. And what it doesn't say is what happened next, but because I believe I know David's character, I can tell you what happens next. He was anointed king, and he looked around that room, and he looked at his daddy, and he said, Daddy, his father, shocked, probably said, Yes, son, can I go back outside now? But son, you were just anointed a king. Yeah, but the sheep need me. My shift isn't over, even though my life just shifted. So with the oil of the prophet still on him, He looks around the room and goes back outside in them same fields where he felt lonely and probably wanted to give up and maybe wanted to end his life. Places where he was so desperate and so broken that he writes songs that we still sing today. The book of Psalms was written in those fields. The things we still quote were written in those moments. This is the David I'm talking about. He went right back out there, anointed a king, and he was still covering sheep because kings don't think that they need to be served. They understand their call to serve. God is not calling you to walk around like you've arrived, but to fight until everyone else arrives. God is calling us to serve the broken, those who can't pay us back those who don't have enough to tithe those who don't know all the songs we are the hands and feet of Jesus we are the ones who have been forgotten we are the ones who know what it's like to be marginalized but God is anointing you and you're going from what's your name again to we've been expecting you you're going from I forgot about you we don't have a position to would you start tomorrow let me tell you something when God anoints a number eight eight is the number of new beginnings hallelujah so whatever was a complete no it's about to be an absolute yes somebody praise God at Fresh Life Church I know some people were indignant I'm sure his brothers didn't care for this anointing ha <laughs> don't need no King Saul was all right. People don't like new until they need new. I don't know who this is for. It's the reason why people couldn't celebrate you is because they didn't realize they needed you. What's in you was not for back then, it's for right now. And so now, this summer, God is going to unveil and unlock what he had invested in you all this time. And I love God because he chooses to use the foolish things of the world to confound the wise. He hid you in plain sight. Some of your own family doesn't know what you carry. Nice people, your family. Had no clue that angels were surrounding your bed. Your whole childhood keeping you covered from car accidents that could have took you out on two-lane highways, kept you safe at parties, protected you when you were swimming, covered you because there was something in you that was bigger. Times when the enemy whispered, it's better for you to end your life, but the Holy Ghost stepped in and said, no, there's something bigger than this moment of depression. If I can just keep breathing through the night, if I can just make it to the morning, something's going to break in my favor. Am I talking to any? anyone who knows what it's like to want to give up but something on the inside of you that holy spirit seed stirs up and says don't quit yet don't give up yet not right now there's something on the inside it's been hidden but it's about to be revealed you are a number eight you are the new beginning you are the new thing you break a cycle and start a new cycle Now we couldn't imagine the Bible without David. Woo! So what does that tell you about who he was? Did he become a king when the oil was poured? No. <laughs> the anointing was already there. The house was where he was announced. You can be anointed and not announced need to write that one down. (laughs) You can be anointed and not announced. You can be gifted and hidden and you can be chosen and challenged. He was anointed, gifted, and chosen but he had not been announced. He was still hidden and his life was filled with challenges. And if you've had any challenges, if you've ever felt hidden, overlooked, or undervalued, when you leave up out of here today, you need to roll down your window and just bless God and wave your hand and tell him thank you because he knew what he was doing this entire time. If he had given you what he was about, what he's about to give you now, back then, your pride would have said, I deserve this, I earned it, it's my time. But because you've gone through process, you'll say, God, I thank you, it's all to your glory. How do you want me to give it away? This isn't in my notes, but it's so strange that David was the biggest tither in Israel. He wasn't just a king, he gave. Even when he was trying to break curses at Ornan's threshing floor, he said, I wanna buy this threshing floor. He's like, you're the king, I'll give it to you. He's like, I will not render unto God that which costs me nothing. Never graduate from giving. Don't think because you're anointed that you've arrived that you can't give. And I'm not just talking about your financial resources, that's a part of it. But don't think because you're a leader that you can't give that now that you're saved, it's all about you. No, once you get saved, you need to be working to empty your own seat. That's not your seat. You're just keeping it warm for the person you're going to disciple. It's funny because when, when the father anointed David, he has Solomon in mind. See, because when you're a number eight, You know what it's like to be overlooked and undervalued so you stop thinking just about you and you start thinking about legacy. I don't want to be remembered as a talented guy who preached all over the country and people clapped. I want to be remembered as an amazing husband and a phenomenal father and a man who was faithful to build his family, who served God when I was asked and died right. That's what I want to be known for. I want to preach so good and serve so well and I want to build up so many people behind me that you forget my name by the time it's over. I can be in an unmarked grave in a small graveyard in Alabama and you wouldn't even know where I was and let the weeds grow up over the grave because I'm not staying there anyway. I'm just borrowing the ground because one day the trumpet will sound and the dead in Christ will rise first and those that remain will be caught up to meet him in the air and Oh, shall we ever be with the Lord. Comfort one another with these words. And I just want to be known as a man that served God and built up his family. And this is the legacy of a number eight, that we fight for our families and we fight for the broken and we fight for the lost and we build up those who have lost their hope. And so David... David was made for three things. If you're a number eight, you're made for these three things. Get these in your smartphone device or in your journal. If you're a journaler, I love it that you want to write these down because it's something about just scribbling it. It's going to bless you. Because, you know, we always know about David. We know about Goliath, and that's great. But I'm going to tell you something. I love David because David loved God, but David could fight. We don't need a passive church. We don't need a tender church, a church that's afraid to tackle the tough issues and to touch broken humanity where it is. The most telling portrait of me, to me, of the New Testament power of Jesus is when the leper came up to Jesus and he said, if you are willing, you can make me clean. The Bible says Jesus reached out, touched him, and then said, I am willing, be cleansed. What most theologians miss is that Jesus didn't say be cleansed and then touch him. Religious people will wait for you to get clean so they can take the credit. But if you're in a real relationship, you'll touch them while they're still dirty and say, I'm willing to walk with you however long it takes and you'll be clean. And what you do is you validate their humanity in their broken moment. And what you do is let them know that the condition of their external is not the final judgment on their life. Because every single human being you and I will ever see has the exact same value to God. That's what the anonymity of the field does. You can't be a bully when you're a number eight because you know what it's like to be bullied. Can't treat people bad when you've been out in the fields and nobody was coming to check on you. You're tender, you cry easy. You cry at movies for no reason. I cry at certain commercials now. I'm like, I'm getting old, I got hormones. I don't even have hormones. I got hormones, hot flashes, Jesus. <laughs> so number eights are made for three things. I'm one, they're made for warfare. We're made for war. Just in case you didn't know, this is not peacetime. This is not the evangelical movement of the 70s when we were buying up property and all over TV screens with our weird bell-bottom suits. This is is the United States of America that's very cynical, that doesn't believe in God. They make fun of believers. This is a very... uh, It's a time of secular humanism and moral relativism. And so what we believe is a dinosaur, but we must be willing to war. And our war is not anger and vitriol. Our war is love. We love because that's what Jesus commanded us to do. They hate, we love. They curse, we bless. They kick us, we get up, and we bless them. They punch us in the face, we turn the other cheek and say, hit that one too, because... vengeance is mine says the Lord and I will repay and so my job is to let the Lord deal with judgment my job is to fight for their soul we got a war for souls by loving people in unlovable moments because that's what God did for us he commended his love towards us in that while we were yet sinners Christ died for the ungodly So we were made for war. The second thing we're made for is worship. I'm made for war, but I'm made for worship. David was a worshiper. It's funny, David would have cut your head off and then go write a song to God. (laughs) Father, you've blessed me. I've overcome my enemies. Look at that severed head. (laughs) We're made for worship. There's something about a number eight that just says, I want to be in the presence of the Lord. And I, I'm desperate for you. And I, I, I'm lost without you. I'm lost without you. Something about being in the presence of the Lord helps everything else to make sense. When the whole world is going crazy, I can worship. And maybe you're you're not the best singer, but he loves to hear you because worship's not about your talent, it's about your heart. Because there's a lot of talented people with no anointing. Sit down, put the mic down, because you're trying to show off. But give me somebody with a heart that's been broken, who loves God, Give them an acoustic guitar and let them sing from their heart and I'll touch heaven. Number eights are made for war. They're made to worship. And number three, finally, they're made to win. Hey, hey, fresh life, church. Hey, y'all made to win. I love that script. thanks be to God who sometimes causes us, occasionally, always causes us to triumph. I've lost enough, now I win. I win souls, oh yes I do. I'm gonna win my family, I'm gonna win my community. I'm gonna fight to win. My small groups, I'm gonna do whatever it takes. I'm gonna bless as many people as I can. I'm made for warfare, I'm made to worship, and I'm made to win. And here's the key. Your worship is your warfare. Because when you begin to bless God, you get the full complement of heaven's arsenal at your disposal. Because when you worship, God shows up. Here's the thing. Let me help you to understand the power of your worship. It's not just one aspect of God that shows up. A lot of times when we think of worship, we think of the slow songs. And we have chills when it's over because it just reached one place. No, no, no. When you worship, even if you don't know it, something else was seated. There are pastors who have asked me, said, you know, Pastor John, would you be willing to come to our church and preach? I said, sure. They were like, well, would you maybe sing something? I said, sure. Hey, you think you may, maybe you could do some comedy? We love you so funny. You're so hilarious. It's real. I said sure. Well, is there a separate cost attached? Well, first of all, I didn't give you a price. Number one, number two, whatever I am comes with me. So when I get there, I'll know in the moment what the house needs. So it's no charge for separate things, it's still one John Gray. Now if that's me in my limited ability, what do you think happens when you worship? You think just one part of God shows up? No, all of Him shows up. And before you know it, things that you didn't even know you had a need, He fulfilled that, He healed that, He delivered you from that, He changed that, He rearranged that, He broke that, and then He gave you that. When you worship, He brings everything that He is with Him. That's why number eights are made for warfare, made to worship and made to win. So enjoy that field and anonymity because very soon the whole world is gonna know your name. You may have been overlooked and undervalued, but you are not forgotten by God. I am number eight.
1: What an incredible message. Thank you for joining us this week for this teaching at Fresh Life Church. If at any point during the message, you felt led to make a decision for Christ, please click the Know God tab on our website. Once you're there, you'll find a short video that will help you learn a little bit more about what it means to be a follower of Christ. And we would love to congratulate you and support you in this decision by sending you some resources that will help you start your relationship with God on the right foot. Also, if you've been impacted by the ministry at Fresh Life, we would love to hear about it. You can go to the Share Your Story tab on our website, fill out the form, let us know how God's working in your life. Trust me when I tell you that this is so encouraging to our staff and to our entire church. We love hearing how we're impacting you and how God is working in your life. Lastly, if you'd like to partner with us financially, and support the work that God is doing through Fresh Life, you can click the Give tab on our website. That will take you to a safe and secure website where you can set up a one-time gift or a reoccurring gift that will help us continue to help those stranded in sin find life and liberty in Jesus Christ. Thanks so much for joining us.